Welcome to SWE Airborne. This podcast series is made possible thanks to the kind support of Viatris. Welcome all to SWE Airborne. This is your host, Claire Taylor speaking, and this is where we meet the members of SWE, the European Scientific Working Group on Influenza. This is the place to be to get the latest news and insights on viruses, vaccines, and more. We go direct to SWE's expert members of the scientific and medical communities working on these important topics. Today, we'll be talking all about respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, and the burden of disease that this can cause in older adults. Our expert on this topic, also an SWE board member, is Dr. Stefania Maggi, Research Director at CNR, the Italian National Research Council, the Aging Branch, Neuroscience Institute in Padova, Italy. Stefania, you are most welcome to the SWE Airborne studio today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. So, Stefania, I'm very curious. We've welcomed several epidemiologists to SWE Airborne, but I think you are the first epidemiologist who is also a geriatrician. So you're focused on the health and care of older people. Why did you choose to specialize in this area? Well, I, I must confess that uh, at the beginning of my career, I was working on an internal medicine department in the University of Padua. And I could have applied to become a resident in diabetology or geriatric medicine. But it was only when I went to the Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore for my master in public health in the Department of Epidemiology that I realized how interesting it was to study aging, not only from the perspective of uh, treating patients with comorbidity and frailty, but also from the perspective of promoting healthy aging and longevity. Then I decided to become a resident in geriatric medicine and to focus my research on how to promote healthy aging. Well, that's great. And in a nutshell, what are the most important factors, in your expert opinion, for healthy aging? Well, you know, I like to refer to the WHO definition of healthy aging. That is the main focus of my research. And the WHO definition says that the um, healthy aging is the process of developing and maintaining the functional ability that enables well-being in older age. And I think that this functional ability, of course, includes physical, mental, and socio-behavioral aspects, and it has embedded the concept of life course approach, which is definitely very important. And it includes different factors, such as appropriate nutrition, appropriate sleeping patterns, physical activities, social interactions, regular screening, and vaccines. 
And I think that there is a strong evidence now from many studies that all these factors interact and uh, they are strongly determinants of uh, healthy aging. That's why geriatric medicine now concentrates on providing ideas for uh, so-called wellness packages to include interventions uh, on all these factors. Stefania, do you feel that there's sufficient public awareness of what's necessary for older people's health? Or is the culture too youth-obsessed for this to be a really a topic on the public agenda? <laughs> well, this is a good question. Um, I believe that there are two aspects that need to be uh, addressed. And in both, of course, an increased awareness would definitely help. Uh, the first aspect is uh, related to the healthcare systems in most of our countries. And I think that when individuals have multiple interacting medical and social problems, as it often happens for older people, they are not longer suited for health systems uh, that are designed for uh, individuals with single diagnosis uh, who can be quickly discharge, for example, from hospital to their family's home. And uh, in such health system of older people are not usually served well, and, and therefore often they receive the inadequate care. Um, we need really to use our scientific experience and the evidence collected to apply uh, this knowledge to the daily clinical uh, practice and use our knowledge to support the demand for adequate services, home care services, long-term uh, care services. On the other side, I think it is important also to underline the fact that older people are a very heterogeneous group and with some very healthy and active people who often are ignored and they could contribute enormously to our uh, society, such as we have seen recently during the pandemic when retired physicians, retired nurses and social workers have volunteered and they were really instrumental in this critical point. So older people should not be considered only a burden. They are heterogeneous. They can contribute uh, uh, very much to the society and uh, we have always to take into account uh, these, uh, uh, these aspects. So if I understand correctly, you feel that we really need to update our approach on healthcare for older people and as well as a, a kind of attitude shift in considering these people as an asset and contributors to, to society. Absolutely, absolutely, Claire. And in your involvement in professional associations, because I see you're working at really a high level in the European Geriatric Medicine Society, the European Interdisciplinary Council on Aging, how do these organizations engage society in the conversation? Well, we try really to reach the general population and translate our research findings uh, 
in brochure. We devote, you know, we devote a lot of time and experience to the popularizations of the research uh, results, also through digital technology, social media. And in particular, we care very much about the collaboration of citizens' associations who have the instruments and the know-how to reach the broader audience, such as the International Federation on Aging, the Active Citizens Group, the AARP. And, and the final goal of our uh, activities is to improve the, uh, liter- the health literacy in the population, such as nutrition literacy, vaccines literacy, and health in general. In the interest of sort of increasing the literacy, the health literacy of our listeners today, the particular topic that we're going to home in on is respiratory syncytial virus or RSV. Now, this is a common virus and it usually causes mild cold-like symptoms and most people recover in a week or two. But Stefania, you have some insights for us on how RSV may affect more vulnerable populations. Oh, yes. Uh, In spite of the fact that uh, it has been uh, very often considered primarily a virus affecting children, RSV is a significant contributor to adult respiratory illnesses worldwide. And uh, it accounts for more than 10%, for example, of hospitalization for people with pneumonia about 12-15% for people with COPD and also significant increase of hospitalization for people with chronic heart failure in older individuals. Often it leads to the exacerbation of existing medical conditions, in particular cardiovascular respiratory diseases, So it is definitely a major burden for older people and for vulnerable people in general. And when we say older people, what age cohorts are we talking about? And do do we see more risk uh, increasing along with age? Well, usually we consider people over 65 And uh, what I'd like to underline is the fact that, uh, uh, in spite of the fact that it is true, the prevalence rate increase with increases with uh, aging, uh, it is important to know that comorbidities and frailty are independently associated to an increased risk of infections, of hospitalization and death for RSD. So we have to distinguish between people over 65 who are healthy and community dwelling and the prevalence rate in this segment of the population is between 3-7%. Then we have increased risk on high-risk people, therefore with comorbidities or people with frailty, the increased vulnerability independent of uh, other conditions. And in this population, the um, prevalence rate can reach up to 12-15% with an increased risk of requiring medical attention. Up to 50% of them require a visit to the GP 
and uh, up to 20% might be hospitalized for uh, RSV. And again, in these very vulnerable individuals, uh, the death rate can be up to 5%. So there are some pretty serious consequences, potentially. And if we look at this from different aspects, I suppose, first for the individual and the people around them, their immediate family or caregivers, and there's quite a, this is quite a big burden of disease. And what can the people who live with them or, you know, what can the, their, their community, their close community do to shield an older or vulnerable person? Well, you know, again, another lesson that we have learned from COVID is how to use non-pharmacological measures such as masks, avoiding the close contact with sick people, washing hands very often. And um, the only problem, Claire, that I think has to be again underlined is the fact that these measures that are essential to decrease the spread of the infection can be very negative in terms of social isolation, increase uh, cognitive decline among older individuals, because if you close, for example, the interaction between grandparents and grandchildren, because children are, of course, vectors of this infection, uh, the well-being and the quality of life of older people is very much affected in a negative way. Yes, and it's very socially awkward as well, isn't it, to negotiate these issues uh, using the comparison, of course, with the non-pharmaceutical interventions around COVID uh, for older people in this community uh, loneliness was a bigger factor than to be completely shielded from from other human beings but is there a middle way or how can you know how can a person who is vulnerable protect themselves and explain to the people around them what the most appropriate things to do are Yes, uh, the problem with infectious disease, respiratory infectious disease in general uh, in the older uh, people, it's uh, based also on the fact that, uh, you know, at the beginning, um, the onset of the disease is not with traditional uh, uh, symptoms uh, such as coughing, fever, and sometimes older people have only mild, very mild and atypical symptoms. Sometimes they a fall or the sudden onset of delirium can be the first sign of a disease. So it is difficult for them, for the caregivers and also for the general practitioner to make a diagnosis. So that's why we insist that we must increase the awareness in the general population, in the caregivers and in the healthcare workers about uh, the risk of this disease and uh, the seasons when there is a high probability and the atypical presentation in older uh, individuals. And on, on the issue of kind of greater awareness among healthcare professionals, I mean, Italy has an aging population. Is there a lot of research on 
how the burden of disease impacts on the public health system? Do we, what do we know there? Well, uh, first of all, in general, in all our countries, we must increase the research and particularly the epidemiology of uh, uh, this disease. And uh, this is a must in all our countries because uh, still we need a lot of data on uh, the epidemiology of RSV in older individuals. We know from the data available uh, in Europe, UK, in uh, USA, that the impact is very important because uh, when people are hospitalized for RSV, about 10 to 20% of them need the intensive care admission, intensive care unit admission, and up to 10% might need medical ventilation. And moreover, after hospitalization, the risk of institutionalization, the need of long-term care increase very much, and also the re-hospitalization for cardiovascular and respiratory diseases leads, of course, to an increased healthcare cost. Well, yes, I mean, it's quite a stressor on the public health system. And I was going to ask you for my next question, do you think public health administrations are adequately prepared? But I have a feeling that I may already know the answer to this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, uh, you know, knowledge is evolving so fast and therefore a close uh, connection between scientists and health policy makers uh, is a must because, uh, of course, uh, uh, it's it's a very important topic. I believe that there is a lot that we can do. And uh, again, we have seen recently with COVID-19, for example, how important is the G- digital surveillance system. And we don't have uh, in place in most of the countries an appropriate uh, uh, surveillance for uh, RSV. The public administration have to be informed that uh, these systems are necessary to identify patients and to provide them with the appropriate care, considering also the high risk of complications that we have just uh, uh, mentioned. Particularly at this point in time, when uh, we have uh, candidate vaccines and antiviral that are undergoing uh, trials, and hopefully they will be available soon, we must be able to have a quantitative uh, uh, idea uh, of the dimension of the problem in the community, the burden of the disease in different age groups. And uh, in order to do this, we need uh, appropriate surveillance systems. And is that what you'd most like to see change? I mean, what would you, what's the sort of most urgent mission for you, Stefania, to say if there was something that you could wave a magic wand, it would happen in the next three to five years? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, my dream list is uh, to have, uh, first of all, increase awareness among uh, healthcare practitioners, general population, and policymakers about RSV infections and how it affects the older individuals. 
beyond the infection itself. The second, of course, would be to strengthen the public health response to the infections, therefore with the implementation of surveillance systems in most countries, and uh, particularly the availability of uh, effectiveness uh, vaccines and antiviral agents that uh, uh, should finally be available in the next years, and hopefully with uh, an equal uh, distribution across countries. That would be a dream. That is quite a wish list, Stefania. I sincerely wish you the best of luck with making sure that some of those dreams come true. You've been a wonderful guest to SWE Airborne this morning. I just want to thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Folks, keep on tuning in to SWE Airborne, the viral podcast series for all the latest on pandemics, vaccination, influenza, visualizing viruses, and more. You get your news directly from the expert members of SWE, the European Scientific Working Group on Influenza. Until next time, dear listeners, stay safe. SWE Airborne is brought to you by SWE the European Scientific Working Group on Influenza and other acute respiratory viruses. These episodes would not be possible without the team's efforts, and we would like to extend special thanks to our SWE Secretariat, our technical and IT teams, our arts team, and our host, Claire Taylor. The podcasts are recorded virtually, and we thank our guests for their participation in this inspiring series. Talks are adapted to a global audience and are intended to be educational, For any specific medical questions you may have, these should be addressed to your local general practitioner. Many thanks to our sponsoring partners and thank you for listening.